Are you an aspiring or newly selected petty officer? Perhaps you are a seasoned chief and you want to reflect on the state of your leadership and management skills. Or maybe you're a civilian looking to learn more about how U.S. Navy leaders make the Navy run. If so, there's a guide for you. The Chief Petty Officers and Petty Officers Guides both provide unique insights into topics such as the ones discussed in this podcast. Both guides are essential and insightful reading for enlisted leaders of any experience level, those who are inspired to advance to Chief Petty Officer or Petty Officer, or anyone looking to reflect on the state of their leadership and management skills. Get your copy of either or both at www.cutlessleadership.com, www.usni.org, or online at your bookstore of choice. Then read and reflect and take what you learn to become and remain a sturdy, versatile, and credible leader and manager who makes a positive difference in your teams. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Cutlass Podcast. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. If you're a new listener, welcome. I hope you find this content uh, interesting and useful. It builds on the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, but it's not just for Chief Petty Officers or those aspiring to be a Chief Petty Officer. It targets a wide variety of professionals and managers. So I think there's something for anyone, seasoned executives, college students wanting to learn a little more, perhaps leading in that environment, perhaps just people leading in their family environment or out in the community. So welcome discussed on several other episodes. If you've heard me talk about it, we often lead and leading is using our influence to get things done that we need to get done, either for work or our personal life, or to help shape people in their best interest. And we do that leading up, down, and across. So leading down is leading the teams or leading your family and people there. Leading across would be leading and influencing your peers and using your networks to help you accomplish things. And then leading up is basically followership and how you influence your boss and respond to the leadership of the people above you. Today, we're going to talk something a little different. And to do the other three things I just mentioned well, you got to be able to lead and manage ourselves. So I wanted to get into that today. There's a whole chapter in the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, Chapter 8, called Leading Yourself. So my next guest reached out to me. She did what I asked for at every episode, right? I seek for your feedback. I look for your comments and uh, topic suggestions, and she gave me one. So in turn, I followed one of those rules of followership. If you present me a recommendation, be prepared to implement it. So she suggested talking about leader mental health. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to get into a lot of great topics. I just read an article about this yesterday. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this discussion. So today with me is Command Senior Chief Renona Robinson, She goes by Nona, and Nona is a native of Texas. She enlisted in the United States Navy in July of 1999, and then following completion of basic training, she became an operational specialist and has served in a variety of tours and combat direction center track supervisor. She's completed two Eastern Med deployments during uh, Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom, and over her career, she served as a leader, a manager, an instructor, a trainer, and now she's currently serving as the command senior enlisted advisor for ComDesron 2.6. And Nona also has a bachelor's degree in business administration and finance from Columbia University. So, hi, Nona. Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. Hi. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing really good. Awesome. So, Thank uh, you for having me. No, absolutely. And thanks for suggesting this topic. I thought that was great. It just gives me confidence people do listen and they they try to follow up on the feedback. And then uh, thanks for your support of the podcast as well. No worries. No worries. Uh, so, uh, you know, off the top, what's been your favorite episode so far? So I like episode nine. It was one with the leadership. I, I think 
that was like really got me hooked onto the podcast. Yeah, I think it's the one I did with Scott Benning, the power of positive leadership. Yes. So uh-huh. yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> All right, let's get into this um you know, you suggested it. leadership mental health. I know we invest a lot. We're going to talk a little bit about team mental health. I've gotten into that in the prior episodes about managing team fatigue and some of the things like that. But I think today it's important for leaders to even focus on themselves. And like you mentioned, right, at many times in the jobs we do as command senior enlisted advisors, we either have to watch for ourselves or watch for commanding officers or admirals, right? That's a part of what goes with it. Let's start with some of the things that you've seen that can lead to kind of mental stress, moving away from that you stress, that good stress, towards more unhealthy things in leadership positions? What things have you seen or experienced? One could be like, what I've seen a lot is, as leaders, we're always in tune on how to, you know, we have to be motivators, right? And it's incumbent for us to continue not only motivate our, our junior sailors, but also you know, our peers as well, and then just kind of like keeping our, our bosses engaged as well. Sometimes if you're doing a lot of that obsessively, and it can lead to a lot of exhaustion, worrying, controlling your moods, those are like a lot of key things that I've seen a lot in, when it comes to just trying to keep others engaged and trying to motivate yourself as well. Yeah, so there's a lot of pressure and demands that come from these positions, definitely, once you start. And I'm not yeah. trying to diminish, like we said before we started recording, you know, each position, each responsibility, level of responsibility in an organization comes with its own pressure and demands. But as you move up, these demands start to come from a variety of angles, right? The demand signal comes from people, your employees, your bosses have demands. Perhaps you have customers that have demands. Your family has yeah. demands. And then you demand stuff from yourself, right? So there's your own mental mindset about your own success that gets into that. And that's what I've typically seen with leadership. And out of those, the ones I think we end up having to manage the most are our kind of own mental models. You know what I mean? Like what we think success is or our own model of am I being successful or not? That brings a lot of pressure or things I've struggled for. Like, hey, what I do every day, does it actually add value? So I think we'll talk a little bit later about what we can do to manage some of that. But what are some of the symptoms you've seen from leaders that are starting to get unhealthy levels of stress or getting into burnout? Fatigue, fatigue, tired. Um, you know, you, you might have some that are like really, really quick to snap. That's one that I've seen. The idea of coming in and doing the job and it's tiresome. It's not as fun and exhilarating as it was at the very beginning, which is in a case where you grow into into our community and our organization, like you said, your expectations, what's expected of yourself and then what others expect that can wear on you to a lot as well. Is it is more like do you see yourself and have you reached that pinnacle where you want to be at? And if that's if that's the case then you can become to a point where you're like, Okay, this is enough for me and I'm just gonna throttle back when uh, all actuality you still need to continue to throttle forward. So I've seen a lot of that happen. You can have some that are there physically, but not their, you know, mind and, well, they're physically, but not there emotionally or spiritually either as well. That that plays a toll on a lot of people. Yeah. And I've seen as pressure and demands can build, definitely I've dealt with the fatigue and I've seen the exhaustion piece. I've mm-hmm. felt even in myself, sometimes misplaced anger, right? So you get frustrated and then you start, <laughs> you know, misplacing your exactly. anger, either at people that don't definitely don't deserve it, right? At your employees. Usually I didn't shift it up towards my boss. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be good. Um, but a lot of times it would go no. towards it would go towards family. That's definitely not healthy. Oh, and yeah. then just kind of frustrated. family sees a lot too as well. Yes. Yep, absolutely. And then some self-criticism for 
why do I keep putting up with this? You know, like these demands or unreasonable demands on you. I've had it several times personally where you said it, like my attitude starts to shift. I start becoming negative and cynical. I get irritable or I feel like besieged by just a, a variety of things. Have you dealt with that stuff? Even in my own, for my own self, it's more, more so for, like, I'm a single parent. So I have to constantly find ways to kind of decompress myself before I get home because things that I've carried on at work or things that have bothered me, I have a tendency to come home, you know, and you don't want to embellish your kids with that. And then nine times out of ten, they don't understand what you're talking about anyway. You know, like my, my son's like, what is a BMC? You know, things like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain it to him at the same time. We carry a lot of weight from just the work is the work we do in general. And then even, you know, you want to tie that into deployment too. Deployment can be rough, rough from, I think from all angles, you know, from the top down. It can be something that we, you know, at one point we're exhausted because we know we have to go on deployment and then we have that peak moment. And then after you reach that peak moment, you descend down back to anxiety because now you're you're getting yourself read back up again. You don't know when's the next one coming, and then you're trying to reacclimate with your family. So there's a lot of things I've seen before in the past when it comes to just being engaged, not engaged with you, your know, mental mindset and, and that exhaustion. Yeah, absolutely. Let's shift to you know investing in your own mental health or basically the mental health of your leaders that you work for and personal resilience so important for organizations. Um, I think like you like you see a significant amount of it right now that's being invested in, you see a sign of what happens when we don't invest in mental health and personal resilience, right? I think when you're investing not only in your people that work for you, you're actually improving their lives. So you'll see an uptick in a lot of companies worldwide um, in the civilian workforce are making these investments and seeing returns on their investments, right? So I think by doing so, you're telling the individual and their family, like, hey, we care. We, we want to see your loved ones doing the things that they love. Because I don't think anybody signs up to want to, you know, struggle or anything like that. And then we all come from different walks of life. So not everybody can handle stress and deal with life measures and it's the same. I may handle it different than you do. Yeah, absolutely. Number one, it's a safety issue, right? We've seen this, right? If you're the leader, you know, if you're a commanding officer or senior enlisted leader and you're fatigued and you're burnt out and your focus isn't there and your motivation's not there, it can lead to loss of lives. It can lead to, we've seen airline industry accidents because of this. We've seen surface ships yeah. accidents. I know there's pressure in the healthcare industry because of this. I just did a podcast on that with uh, retired force master chief Chris Angles talking about challenges to resilience in the healthcare industry. So that's a big part of it, right? It, it impacts your ability as a leader to make good decisions and to stay focused on outcomes in the organization. But I think it also affects your impact on your people, right? So if you can't manage yourself and you're starting to have these symptoms of burnout, um, you're losing your motivation, your people see that. They react to that, right? They follow that tone that yes. you're setting. What do you think? That is so true, Lee. And whether an individual believe it or not, you're constantly under the radar. You're constantly being looked at and viewed. You know, you have young sailors that are out there that are that you may be very impressionable on and they see how you handle it. Is this individual resilient with it, or is this individual like going to break down at the, you know, at the crack of something? So that that's very key with that. Okay. And just knowing your limitations, I think, is very important. Yes. So I've seen a shift definitely in the last, I don't know, five to ten years, this changing attitudes towards mental health. 
for a variety of reasons. I think we've become aware and educated as organizations because of it. I think we're investing in it, but also we're getting feedback from the people that work there that don't want to tolerate that kind of attitude that doesn't support it. What are you seeing with changing attitudes, at least within the military or within the cheese mess towards mental health? Are we getting better there or is there still that attitude of, you know, kind of suck it up? What we do is tough. You're a war fighter, quote unquote, that kind of attitude. Are you seeing an embracing of mental health matters? We know it impacts readiness. We know it impacts effectiveness and efficiency. So we're going to start to look at it through a different lens. What have you been seeing? I think it's split. You know, we're starting to hold the in the mindset of the warrior toughness. That's a piece that we're, you know, in my command right now, we're um, actively doing training on that. So it's great to see that there's a program that has been pretty much been formulated and, you know, driven by our, you know, the recruit training command is now making its way to the fleet. And we have tools to kind of help us see how sailors are able to handle that pressure. But I also say it's something that's still fairly new. It's something that still is being re- uh, embraced by, you know, everyone in certain entities. But to actually get into the full swing of it, I think we will have to be like, give it about a year or two or so more. Because you, you're going to have to weed out the weakness points of it, too. Because everybody, like I said, everyone is different in how they receive stress and how they handle stress. I think that warrior toughness piece and then chiefs and senior leaders actually understanding like that this person is doing box breathing, understand why the individual is doing box breathing and know that individual is not taking the time out doing box breathing because they're ready to size you up. Right. <laughs> so it's like, what are those, those, what are those things I think we still as leaders have to wrap our head around those different techniques. If I have a sailor that's fine for going to a corner and sit and just take their time out, me and Liv and I are like, why are you taking a break? You should be taking a break right now. You should be doing this. Understanding those things. I think it's going to take a little bit more time, but we're, we're getting there. Okay. We're getting there, which is very important. So what are the attitudes that you see? Because I think it's a, there's some stigma with this. Not even I think. I know there's stigma related to this. So what are these belief systems, I call them misplaced, that people may have? It might be chiefs. It might be leaders that lead to lack of acceptance of handling mental health issues is it a military mindset it, you know what is it that people some people just don't get it i think it's, it's a military mindset you gotta me an example i came in in 99 so at that time it was instilled in me when you're given an order you execute it not necessarily ask questions right then and there but if you needed to ask questions you had your works in a soup or your first class to go to and ask your questions too now it's just more so of a a sailor has a question, they'll come straight to the khaki. I have this this issue I have. The idea is I say I have to take a break is or I have to have a moment to myself, it could be deemed as almost a sign of weakness. I feel like that still has that stigma around it. Take this, you know, I gotta take leave, I gotta I gotta I gotta rest and get myself back together. So others can view it as, ah, oh, you know, they're she couldn't cut it. That's why she she had to take the break. If back in the day, if some you know, if you always hear that nuance right there. Back in the day, back in yeah. the day we didn't like this. Back in the day we didn't like that. Yeah. And I like to say, you know, with those, those I like challenge those. You know, sometimes you have to lean forward in the future because if everything was based off back in the day, we would never learn. Have lessons learned to where we at right now. Can't yeah. always drift back to back in the day. <laughs> yeah, and back in the day goes back as far as you enlisted or can remember. Right? It's like back in the day. Exactly. Yeah, go, let's go back to the Revolutionary War or the Civil War if you want to talk back in the day, right? Um, yeah, because those guys were resilient. Yes. Um, so I think a lot of it too is like there's a 
from definitely at the lower level worker, middle manager, right? I think there's a sense of like, if I get taken off the bench or if I have to take you off the bench to let you go handle this mental health issue, then I'm going to shift workload onto other people. So as a leader, I don't want to deal with the pushback or the frustration with that. Or perhaps I, I just don't value this enough to where I can explain to people, no, if you need to take a mental quote unquote knee, that's just as valuable as if you got physically injured too. So there's a part of it about, I think, you know, managing, building depth in your bench to be able to manage when people need to take that knee is important. I think there's career impacts people worry about like, okay, hey, if I take off, I might lose a security clearance, a qualification, and that in turn affects my advancement and that in turn affects my ability to make more money. And then I think there's a mindset of, like you said, you know, I'm in the military, got to be tough. I can't show weakness. I think all those combined kind of underlie that. I, I agree. Okay. When I was on active duty as a senior enlisted leader, what you're doing now, like I said, we work up, down, and across. We work to influence mental health, ideally in all directions. So let's start with leading down. What's been your approach, whether individually or with the cheese mess, to lead down and influence, number one, to defeat stigmas or to make mental health a priority or resource mental health wellness with resources and tools of education. What have you been doing out there? So I, I like to do what I call like a post-check, right? And it's, it's all about knowing your people. Um, I think we've been around each other enough to know. Um, I'm actually, especially with my team, that we, we did a performance together. You know, we had some that were just now coming to the river command when we were reporting back from deployment, but the ones that were out there, I kind of had an idea, um, not even an idea, just seeing them every day, what did not look right or what did not feel right. We instinctively as individuals, we know when something is not, is a little bit off, right? And then I know some like to ask, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing? I try to get out of that, mind, that, that habit of saying, how are you doing? Just how are you feeling? Right? How are you feeling right now? But with the understanding that if you ask that question, you got to be prepared yeah. for what's going to come behind that. Because it could be a ton of stuff that's going on in the background that we don't know. And then also with programs and stuff, I know for, I, w- I would say when we were on deployment, we had the talk boss. Um, I talked to the talk boss. I'm not ashamed to say that. <laughs> because it was a it was a long 210 days with no court. And I, like I said, everyone can feel it. So just being able to know that the resources are there, but also showing to my my senior guy and girl, like, I, I can use them too. There's nothing wrong with it. They're, they're for all of us, not just for what, you know, just for the lower level. It's for everybody. <laughs> that sensing function is really big, right? That getting out and about, yes. you know, looking at people. Again, I discussed this on a recent podcast. That's Yep. So what do you, and this gets into, we talk it all the time, right? This mantra of knowing you go, do you know your people, know your people, intrusive leadership, right? But it's more than just, you know, getting in their business or, you know, knowing their family names and all that kind of stuff. It's like knowing how their normal persona is, right? What healthy looks like when they're in that quote unquote green zone, what normal day to day looks like. So when you see that shift, you can pick up on it and actually reach in with a questioning attitude. So what do you look for? Like when you see your people, what would trigger you to kind of pull them aside? Attitudes, how how they're asking, like answering questions, or if I haven't seen them in a while, you know, I, I think since we're in such a, such a small command and we're in a building, we kind of like run past each other and then we're, you know, we're a very small time in command. So if I've haven't seen an individual for a while and I know he or she is not on leave or anything like that, you know, like, hey, I want to stop through and ask, like, how you doing? How are you feeling? Those type of things. Really, it's just, for me, it's just a sense. You know, I can sense if something's 
but just if I noticed that they were bubbly or they've always been a bubbly, guilty person, then all of a sudden it's just mind drawn and they're just like, what's going on? What's different from the last? And you, you get the answer. It sounds common sense, but sometimes it's not so common. I think this gets into, like you said, you just know it, right? You develop, you know, just your experience over time with some wisdom, you start to get this. And you start to also mm-hmm. recognize as command or organizational schedules or pressures increase, it should trigger that mm-hmm. higher level leader to go, okay, pressure points, and that should drive conversations with mid-level leaders. Like, okay, we're getting into a place where people are going to be susceptible, look for these behaviors, know the resources. It's a team effort on how do we manage this? Because you're really, I think it's a management problem as much as it is a leadership problem where you've got to plan around it, organize resources. I know, you know, Navy's been investing in deployed resiliency counselors. There's chaplains. There's resources out there. But sometimes it's just having a conversation with people and just asking them, hey, what's on your mind and letting them vent. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit about what to do for these things. But let's shift to leading across and up right within mental health. So within the chief's mess, let's shift to that. Hey, you're, yes, got it. You're Nona, you're the senior enlisted leader and advisor, but you're also a fellow chief. So what's that look like in the chief's mess? How do you encourage chiefs to look out for each other in this mental health domain? We all know we're brothers and sisters in the mess, right? And we would like to keep that, that same mantra, like you can come and talk to me about anything. So I, I lead with that. Like if you have any questions, you have any problems, whether it's, we're dealing directly with the command or if it's with your family. You know, I'm here. My door is open. I even have a candy jar <laughs> where everybody goes and grabs things out of it. And that's an opportunity for me checking with them. And, you know, like I said, conduct that post check. Like, how's everything going? How was your weekend? And for us, it's just being able to have that sense that we can talk and communicate with each other. Communication is key within a mess, right? It can break down very quickly if you don't have that approachable sense to just Anybody, if I, if you're always wifey and moody, and no one's going to approach you or talk to you. But if they know that they can come and talk to Nona, and she's going to understand, she's going to take five minutes away, put away from her keyboard, or walk with me around the building or whatnot, and I have, they have my undivided attention. I think that takes, that's powerful, and I will wholeheartedly say do that, because it, it, it helps. You know, you'll frequently, as you heard on the podcast, I'll come back to this trust with people and trust is built on demonstrating your competence and your character, meaning I have experience to help you solve a problem, but then I'm also available with that experience when you come asking for help. And when you get those two together, that gives you that credibility and then people know you really care and that will come to you with their problems. But if you don't show those things in your daily attitude or in the things you say and do, they won't, right? They're going to find that somewhere else. Ideally, I would hope within the right. chief's mess. I think we teach new chief selects and most chiefs understand, right? This is the place you can come in. Yes. You know, a lot of sailors don't understand like, hey, they have their own space. Well, yes, because I need a place to come in when I'm getting burnt out, when I'm getting self-critical or critical towards the command or a policy and negativity is coming out or I'm feeling irritable. You don't vent that in front mm-hmm. of sailors, right? You vent that to your peers no. in the chief's mess. So. Having that discussion and creating that environment there is important. How about your commanding officers or your admiral, chief of staff, those kind of people? Because that was the email you sent me was specifically about that. What's your personal responsibility with helping them manage their mental health? You have to recognize, like, just like when we were on our deployment and we were um, initiating the change of command. And in, in the midst of change of command, we were in the middle of COVID. You had... Everything going on under the sun. So you had 
us in a bubble to bubble, so we wouldn't be able to get people um, necessarily on the ship, and then we couldn't necessarily get people off the ship at that one point. You had the family members, and then you also had the tragedy with George Floyd. So all of that was going on, and then in the midst of all that, we were conducting, you know, changing our senior leadership and whatnot, and I noticed that we always end up this meeting afterwards, like at the end of the day, where we just kind of like doing checks with each other, what's going on, what's the schedule's going to be. And I'm listening to my best director at the time, and she's just giving my uh, my Commodore at the time his schedule. And I'm like, yikes, that schedule is personalized. Like, it it had no, it was like breakfast, meeting, 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 lunch, bring the meeting, meeting, meeting. And I'm like, how is he managing it? As, as a senior listen, we I don't think we never necessarily look at our our, uh, our captains and our SOs like, oh, they're going to have a point where they're going to falter or not. We just look at them like, hey, they're like pretty much like us. They can they can power through it. And I noticed there was no room for him to power through. There was no space. There was no battle space for him to actually adjust the schedule. So I merely suggested, hey, maybe we need to give him a mindfulness hour. She didn't, you know, at that point, she was like, mindfulness? I'm like, mindfulness. You can do whatever you want to do. It's a moment to kind of like decompress from this busy, busy day schedule because it doesn't have, um, at the time, we couldn't get our deputy on board there. So it was just, he was alone and unafraid. By having an hour or two to kind of like mitigate himself and adjust himself and create that battle space, we're going to have a healthy him, you know, a healthy Commodore. We, we wouldn't have that if we just continue to pull pieces of him. After that, it won't be nothing left. <laughs> Yes. So that was one of the things I kind of recognized. I saw as red flags because you're always constantly going, going, and going. Your boss is always constantly going, 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 going. It's always good to stop and like, hey, have a moment, you know, like Musa. You know, sir, I know you've been going left and right, but you know, let's have just let's go have a couple of jokes. Let's sit down and talk. And if I they'll, they'll probably be battling you with it. They'll probably be kind of like, you know what, I have time for that. You always have time. We have to make time. We have to make time. It's a great way of watch team backup. It's one of the unique things. I know this is definitely a value add. It's being able to watch your boss, your commanding officer, your chief of staff, your admiral, or other key leaders from the outside, right? Department heads, leading chief petty officers, all that, right? Watching them, but particularly my commanding officer or admiral is the one I was like, all right, I've got a, a role here to watch. And then, yeah, like you said, watching personal schedule, watching their personal behavior. So looking for burnout symptoms they not may not see because, again... Sounds cliche, but the importance of that position is there's not many people that have the access, first of all, to that person and have the carte blanche to just talk to them, open as a person, watching their daily schedule, all those kind of things. But also just having time to talk with your commanding officer or your admiral or chief of staff as people and not necessarily at work all the time, right? Maybe meeting for coffee off work or, you know, let's go out to dinner together if we're on Liberty and just get to know the person, right, and let them vent, they find that valuable. There's definitely a trust thing that goes with that, right? Like, hey, that's privileged information, and that's that's a privilege that you have as a senior enlisted leader to hear those kind of things, but to also have a responsibility to help them manage. Because again, the organization takes on the attitude of that leader, and ultimately there's one leader. Yes. So helping them manage that and all those symptoms we turned about, you know what I mean, or encouraging them to take some time off. I think that's all important. So that's good stuff. We talked about leaders and managers uh, having to invest in themselves. And and when I facilitate fleet CPO training team content, we talked about leading ourselves or leading self. And that was the at the end of those sessions, we would always do this exercise. 
because you can't lead others if you can't even manage your own mental health. And that leading is not just work. It's your family and others in your personal life. I've come to see it as investing in these four areas of resilience. That's the mental domain, the physical domain, emotional, and spiritual. If you go out and Google, you'll see these kind of things are pretty common. So what's your approach to managing your own mental well-being and the tools and tactics that you have used that our listeners could try? I'm a big fan of meditation. I do Vespana, which is it's something I'm still learning, but it's great for mindfulness. It's just being able to go to a place of solitude and just meditate and scan yourself. Scanning is really crucial when it comes to your body because you know yourself better than anybody. I do a lot of, I use a lot of the apps like Headspace and Calm. I'm a real fanatic, a uh, real fanatic of Calm because it always has like stories, music, you name it, it's on there. Um, and I also have guided meditation that it helps you as well. My mom is an actual care, a risk of care caregiver and she looped me on something I, I wasn't, wasn't keen on that she goes onto our Sweet Family Support website and she actually grabs the mind, body, mental, physical series, which is stress and resilience and mindfulness meditations. So I tried one of those and I thought it was funny because I'm like, oh my goodness, I, you know, my family members are even using some of the things that are the tools that are preventable for me, but I'm a real big advocate of just knowing your area of weakness, knowing the mid when you're you're, you're having those doubts or those strong those feelings. Like I said, you know yourself better than anybody and being able to scan yourself from head to toe. As individuals, whether you're the most senior person or junior person, if you allow people to pour in your cup, and what I mean by pouring your cup, pour anything in your cup. It can be positivity. It can be negativity. It can be all about the things. You will start to spill over if you don't put your hand over your cup. So you have to be able to balance all of that and be able to realize what is healthy for you and if, like for me what motivates you know, what makes me what makes me strong what makes what gives me a peace of mind knowing those things and being able to take those into account that's important so meditation is one of those key things that i love to, to okay. do and focus with yeah it's interesting even i just recently got uh I embrace technology, but some things I'm slower on. So I just got an Apple Watch, and it like has a function. It has a face that is called the breathe face. Mindfulness. <laughs> yes, and mindfulness, and it tells me it beeps and is like, okay, breathe. And it at first I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. And you can set it right to breathe for however many breaths or whatever. But deep breathing, I'm telling you, you do feel better after you do that. And then that mindfulness time. I know my mind is always going, so it's good to be able to quiet. So I think a couple things I jotted down here when I thought over this, besides the four domains, is like, okay, having that self-awareness, and then first, we all have to recognize and acknowledge that I don't care what level you are in an organization, you're vulnerable to burnout. If you think just because I'm a Navy chief, it doesn't happen, and I'm tough, or because I'm you know, an admiral or whatever, that mindset's already setting you up. And then we talked about managing the team leading down, but now you got to kind of manage yourself, right? So it's tracking the time that you've been in certain positions, right? That's in many cases why those commanding officer and admiral positions are a year and a half or two years, right? They're not as long as, a, you know, enlisted tours. That doesn't mean the enlisted tours are any less stressful, but it's a recognition that knowing that time and job and rotating when you feel that stress coming out, if you can. In some cases, it may be making a hard decision to shift to a whole nother line of work. It's not easy to do, but to your point earlier, eventually people kind of recognize like you don't ever want to feel trapped in a a job. No. I did nuclear power for 15 years. I just knew it was not good for me. I didn't just didn't sync with me. I was fortunate enough to get selected and go on the command leadership route, but I always say I survived nuclear power. I didn't thrive in it per se. 
And then just managing your priorities and your own workload, good time management skills and good people to back and having that network of people to back you up is important. One thing I always struggle with, even now, right? It's like as simple as doing a podcast, right? Does the work I do matter? Is this valuable? Do people value it? Because, you know, there's been days where I'm like, does anyone listen? Does anyone care? Even on active duty, like, hey, do I add value? Do people listen to my recommendations? You just got to have confidence that people do. But seek out that that feedback as well, right? Like, hey, it's okay to seek out feedback that what you do adds value. So I think that's a part of it too. And then I think also levering the resilience of the group, right? So you talked about boot camp. They're doing mental health and resilience building. While my time on active duty, we were talking about there's three components to it, right? There's the physical component. There's a team component to your personal resilience. Yep. And then identity. So what is the network you've got built up when you're in these leadership positions? What's your investment in the physical? Who is your team of people that you can go to and stay bonded? And then how do you build your identity to stay resilient, right? And a book that I recommend for people is the book Tribe that really gets into that. So I recommend that. And then obviously having these outlets for venting either anger, disappointment, hopelessness, defeat, depression. It doesn't matter what it is, but those are those are valid feelings, right? So just because you're a leader and you don't want to show those necessarily to the team, you got to have a place to vent those things too. You got to have people you can go to. So as a command senior enlisted leader, you've got to be able to find someone that you can vent to or letting your commanding officer or senior leader know, hey, I'm here. You can vent that off to me. I got you. It's not going anywhere. It's going to stay with me. And then spending, investing time in those four domains, right? Having a good PT routine, getting sleep, eating right, having good mental things, whether that's reading or breathing exercises, those kind of things. There's the, a lot of people forget about that. Journaling is really good. Yeah, journaling. Emotional, this sense of community with other people and emotional health. And then you mentioned spiritual what do you recommend for the spiritual domain? Everyone's different with that. Some people don't believe in certain things and others. What What's your advice for spiritual domain? For me, it's, it's investing what you believe in the most. I'm a Christian, so I pray. I pray a lot, and I also go to church. But I think for those, you know, because we all have a different walk in life, is investing into having that moment and investing yourself into what you truly believe in. Not putting yourself in the box to feel like, okay, because no one's a person, I got to do what she's doing. No, you do what makes you feel better, what makes you feel comfortable, what makes you feel whole. Um, because that's, that's the biggest thing when it comes to spirituality is the, the, the sense of feeling whole and fulfilled and having a purpose. All right. Any last thoughts or point of evidence you want to make for the listeners? I would say this. Every time you get up in the morning, you take a look in the mirror. That's your opportunity to do a body scan. That's the opportunity to do what you were saying too as well. Are you where you want to be at? Do you see yourself where you or where you see yourself at? Are you healthy? Are you strong? You need a moment. That moment will be step in the mirror. If you do not like things, you have to make a change. We only want to get the best of you. Everybody wants the best of something, right? So you want to get the best. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then keeping having that group of people who can give you that honest feedback about changes in your own behavior. You know, what's my drinking yeah. patterns looking like? What are my stress patterns looking like? What's my attitude like? My demeanor? Yes. All those things are important getting that feedback. That's a consistent theme in this podcast is getting feedback at any, you know, regardless of what level of leadership you are, having those people that can really give you that is important. And then actually doing something about that feedback when enough people are giving it to you, right? That is true. <laughs> you know. All right. So I think uh, for the listeners, one thing I would uh, encourage you to do, you know, 
Write it out. Put it. You could block it out into four quadrants, four columns, right? And put mental, spiritual, emotional, physical, and then list the activities you could do in each one of those four domains of resilience to ensure that you're operating at your personal best and achieving the best life balance you can get. And then once you've got that list, you know, this could be good activity for within the cheese mess for a command senior enlisted leader. Have everyone do it. And then have everyone, you know, some people give it up and compare their list because now you share ideas of what you do and your successes or failures with certain things with either your mess or your wardroom or whatever organization you've had. All right. My guest today has been Navy Senior Chief Nona Robinson. Nona, I've loved this conversation. I love your insights and your approaches. Thanks again for reaching out to me and teeing this topic up. Thanks for taking some time to join me on the Cutlass Podcast to help us think more about taking care of ourselves. And then good luck to you and all the best. All right, everyone else, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp, reflect and improve, and take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference.